Hello and welcome back. This is uh, attorney Alan Edmonds. As many of you know, I'm a national security clearance attorney. I've been in the business for over 40 years and uh, I am delighted to be able to speak with you today about something that is very, very important and uh, passionate uh, for me to address. I get so many emails and telephone calls from people around the world and across the United States, of course, on national security cases and military upgrade cases. And uh, it's from those questions that I have the opportunity to form uh, a presentation for you that I think is uh, responsive to your concerns and worries. And the number one concern that many of you have is going to be addressed today. And the number one mistake that people make in the security clearance process uh, is going to be discussed today. I am so excited about this to share this with you because the message has got to go out. And uh, my listeners have to understand something. I've been doing this a long time. Many of my clients are so brilliant uh, in a variety of fields, and they've accomplished so much. Um, in their field, they're somewhat invincible. And believe me, I have represented some of the best scientists, the best uh, computer scientists, uh, the best engineers that uh, this country has seen. And they're contributing at a high level to our national defense. Uh, those people are no different than other people that are suddenly presented with a challenge from the Department of Defense, which is to revoke their clearance for what the government believes is serious misconduct that could raise issues of national security, trustworthiness, and the ability to hold a security clearance. I, of course, don't agree all the time with the government assertions. I've seen some of the most absurd cases come out of Fort Meade for individuals that have come back from Iraq or Afghanistan uh, with severe traumatic brain injury, uh, severe PTSD, uh, the loss of limbs. Uh, they've been wounded. They've been shot at and they've served their country for 15 to 20 years. They have a 100% VA disability and the Department of Defense would allege that, uh, for an example, that because they failed to pay two or three debts or failed to file a tax return in a timely manner, they are a risk to national security. That absolutely uh, gets my attention and I am so happy to take those type of individuals into court uh, before the Department of Defense, administrative judges, and before all the numerous agencies that I appear in front of, the Department of Energy, the Defense Office of Hearings and Appeals, the CIA, the FBI, uh, Department of State, uh, the veterans. It, could, it goes on and on. I've, I've appeared before many agencies and uh, respect what they do, but I don't respect how they do it. And uh, I have absolutely defended my clients' rights and your rights. 
all the way up to the White House. And I have repeatedly brought uh, matters to the Congress and to the White House about reforms that I think should be instituted immediately to make this process um, more uh, honest, I should say, uh, to all parties involved. I recognize that national security is a federal issue. I've told you previously in podcasts that when there is an even draw between the interests of the applicant and the uh, federal government, the decision will always be made on the side of the federal government. And uh, I agree with that. We have to protect national security. But in so doing, we do not have to ruin or deny a worthy applicant for a security clearance the uh, right to have that security clearance given to him after he's gone through the process. Now, I just uh, made a comment that I want to clear up right from the inception because I know I'm going to get uh, pushback on it. A national security clearance is a privilege. It is not a constitutional right. And the DOD directives and the adjudicated guidelines uh, clearly state uh, the rules and regulations that must be followed. And uh, you should know that uh, the process uh, is very, very thorough and lends itself to determining what weaknesses or problems you have in your background pressed against the uh, main concern of national security. In any event, uh, this is Attorney Alan Edmonds with the Edmonds Law Firm. You can reach me at 800-481-2526. We have resources for you that are free. Um, We have 34 YouTube videos. They're very short. Uh, We also have podcasts like this one. And uh, all of this is free to you, the listener. And the cost and expense is borne by the Edmonds Law Firm because part of my function is not only to offer the very finest defense to uh, actions brought by the Department of Defense or Department of Energy, but also to offer some guidance and education to you at no cost. And this is the culmination of over 46 years in the courtroom. And um, I have the battle scars to show it. And uh, I enjoy litigation. There's no question that I enjoy being in the courtroom. Um, I enjoy uh, meeting people like you with sometimes incredible problems. Other attorneys and law firms have refused to represent you. Some of them refer cases to me or you've called my office and said, well, the other attorneys said I didn't stand a chance. And I said, welcome aboard. Those are the cases I love. I don't promise a victory in every case or a favorable decision, but I do promise the most aggressive advocacy that uh, you deserve. So let's get down to the podcast today. This podcast is something that I've talked about in the past and deserves repetition and it deserves being emphasized again, which is the mistakes that you make in this process. You are a gifted, uh, often college educated individual. You've uh, made incredible accomplishments in your own field. 
you've perhaps uh, been subject of uh, uh, many accolades, you've uh, published papers, you've been featured in uh, professional publications and magazines about the work you've done or the patents that you have secured. Uh, you have performed in uh, overseas in different uh, war zones uh, and you have performed at an incredible level. You've been decorated if you're active duty. Those are my clients. Those are my people. I have a soft spot in my heart for uh, military and veterans. And uh, anyway, you get this uh, document from the government, which can be a notice of proposed action, uh, NOPA, or it can be a statement of reasons, which is the first initial salvo that the government fires at you to revoke or deny your clearance. So you look at the process and you look at the documents and you say to yourself, I can do this. Uh, that's probably the first mistake that you make. Uh, you are in a person that has over your life history accomplished a lot and done things a lot, but now you're entering into a brand new arena, which is the legal field. And specifically, you're up against uh, attorneys for the Department of Defense. And so you believe that you can um, undertake this process. That's the first mistake, which is understanding the process. It's not the number one mistake, which I'm going to keep you in suspense about because that will come later. But the first mistake that you make is, is uh, believing that you can you understand the process. What people do is they go talk to their FSO, field security officer, or their security personnel, or they go to their S2 if they're in the military, and they get about a five or 10 minute briefing, and they go out the door saying, wow, this is easy. All I have to do is a one or two page response, and that is absolutely the first critical mistake. Your response to these formal notices should be 20 to 30 pages long, and uh Yours usually aren't. I hear so often people said I typed a one or two page response and sent it in. So the first mistake that you make is uh, failing to understand the process. The second mistake you make is failing to understand the risks. This is hardball. When you get a statement of reasons or you get a notice of proposed action, you have to understand that this is a formal attack against your job, your character, and your future. And some of you say, well, I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to spend a thousand, two thousand bucks right now. That's too much money. And uh, you have to weigh that against, well, how valuable is your job? Because the mistakes that are made at the inception stay with you throughout the whole process. And that's why I said you don't understand the process initially. And that process is every spoken word and every written word is memorialized by the government and it's used against you way down the line when you appear in front of an administrative law judge uh, or you do a formal response or attempt a formal response. So the risks, understanding the risks is important for you. You're not only going to lose your clearance and many of you think, well, I can reapply in one year. And yes, you can. You can file a request for a reapplication or reconsideration. But 
the percentage of them being granted is dismal, especially if you're not represented and you don't know what you're doing. So there goes that one year reapplication. And then some of you say, well, I will just apply at a different agency. Well, that doesn't help either because the risks that are presented by you mishandling or responding to these statement of reason inquiries with the wrong information can damage future job applications. And all agencies have access to the depository of information or SF-86 applications that have been on file. DCSA, which used to be called the uh, Consolidated uh, Adjudication Facility, um, is no longer called that. And uh, But the information that you have filed is still on file and it's accessible by every agency. And you also must acknowledge prior denials or revocations of your security clearance. So the second big mistake you make is failing to understand the risks. The third mistake that all of you make is uh, when you do this yourself is failing to understand the preponderance of evidence that's required to overcome the allegations. The allegations can be uh, in the form of a notice of suspension, can be in the form of a notice of proposed action, can be in the form of a statement of reasons. There's any number of labels that an individual agency can put on their initial uh, notice to you, their complaint to you about behavior or deficient service or employment that uh, these documents contain these allegations but you're failing to understand the type and the specificity of the evidence that you must use to overcome the assertions. So now we have three areas that you've made mistakes on at the inception of your attempt to save your own career. So one of my first questions to clients that call me, I say, well, when are you retiring? Do you really need this security clearance? Because everybody thinks, well, I am going to just leave the intelligence community. I will no longer seek jobs that require a security clearance. And that's certainly an option, but it is a huge detour in your career and requires maybe re-education, I don't know, but it takes you away from the number one employer in the United States, which is the federal government. And um, so you may want to leave all jobs that require security clearance and seek a position that doesn't, and that's an option. The second option, which I already alerted you to, is my primary question to people, when are you retiring? Do you have enough money right now to uh, see you through for the rest of your life. So maybe you don't need this job. And that's a question that has to be answered individually. But if you wanna stay in the uh, intelligence community and in the community that requires a security clearance, and if you don't have the money to retire, then you must push forward and you must do the very best job that you can 
to overcome a statement of reasons. And my suggestion to you is uh, to retain an attorney. Uh, the Edmonds Law Firm has offices across the United States, and we've been doing these hearings and protecting people from loss of employment for over 45 years, both active duty and civilian. So I hope you'll call us if uh, that's the situation. But we still haven't gotten to the number one mistake that you folks make. And I could say that the number one mistake is representing yourself, and that's that's huge. Um, but really, the number one mistake that I see people make is waiving their personal appearance or a hearing that they're entitled to appear before. Everybody thinks that they will submit either to a manager or to an administrative law judge a second round of written documents. Their first round of documents, which was their initial response to SOR, failed. And now they're getting a form letter from an agency that says, you have the right to resubmit further documents to a referee or a hearing officer or an administrative law judge, or in some cases, like at the Department of Energy, to a manager, and they will consider it. Or you can attend and request a personal appearance. Well, I know the chemistry and the emotions here. No one wants to appear if they're not experienced and have the expertise. No one wants to appear in court. That's a huge hurdle to overcome and requires an incredible amount of preparation and knowledge. So everybody defaults and takes the easy way out. And they say, well, I will waive my hearing and I will submit in writing another batch of documents, which I hope will uh, prevail and win the day. And of course, they do not. And one of the reasons they do not is because the content is so restrictive. You have to put down content or argument that is powerful and on point, relevant, and argues the legal issues that are presented. And no one can do this, or they do it poorly. And the second problem is, often the written document that you're submitting for a second time is presented to a mid-level manager. And they're gonna take the easy road I seldom see mid-level management uh, overturning a previous determination or finding that your clearance should be revoked. It's risky for them to do that. And uh, most of the time, my experience is that they won't do it. So they'll rubber stamp the earlier decision, which was to deny you a clearance. And now you're being denied a second time and it becomes final. Statistics also bear out what I'm saying. Statistically, the uh, chance of success when you resubmit in writing is dismal. However, the chance of success if you appear personally or virtually in a hearing environment and request a personal appearance or a hearing, 
whose chance of success improves dramatically. The Edmonds Law Firm relishes the courtroom. We do three to five virtual appearances a week for people all over the United States in front of a variety of agencies. Your documents are prepared, marked, and filed professionally. You are totally prepared. We know the judges. We know the questions you're going to be asked. And we prepare our clients so that they're so comfortable when they have to appear uh, in front of a judge. And, of course, the second prong of representation, the first prong is to win the case. The second one causes a lot of consternation when you hear it. But I say this to clients, my second function in the courtroom is to protect you. And you say, holy smokes, what are you talking about? Well, the courtroom is ruthless. There's no forgiveness. People don't apologize to you when they make disparaging and uh, derogatory comments. They don't say, gee, I'm sorry, I just called you a failure. Or I'm sorry, I just called you a drug addict. Or I'm sorry, I just called you an alcoholic with no chance for rehabilitation. You have to understand something. The gloves come off in the courtroom and you are not equipped to enter the octagon by yourself. So don't even think that you can handle this as brilliant as you may believe you are. The Edmonds Law Firm has over 45 years experience. There's just a few law firms in the country that come close to that experience or the frequency that we appear in front of all these agencies. So again, the number one mistake that you make is uh, not that you represent yourself, that's a 1A, but the number one mistake that you make is waiving the hearing and submitting your final appeal in writing to a manager or a judge or a referee. Uh, that is just a huge problem. All the things that you submit in writing are retained uh, in perpetuity. That means they don't go away. Other agencies and other investigators will have access to everything you submit in writing. So there you have it. I am passionate about this. I've talked about it in earlier podcasts, but it's still going on. And some very, very fine uh, professionals are losing their career and uh, their jobs, of course, and all because they thought they could undertake this process themselves. I hope that's not you. Call me at 800-481-2526. Thank you very much.